Welcome to Sheer Clarity, the show that will teach you about leadership by attraction, building self-awareness, and how to develop exceptional self-management abilities that will help you become more reflective, more open, more trusting, and more engaging with the people who matter to you most. In other words, make you a better leader. Head on over to SheerClarity.com where you can learn more, subscribe to the show, and connect on social media. And now, here's your host, Jay Kevin McHugh. Hi there, this is Kevin McHugh. Another episode of Sheer Clarity about to get underway. Glad that you are listening right now. Today's episode is actually part two of a three-part series. I decided that I was going to wade into the waters of the diversity and inclusion discussion. I did so last week, and I announced that I would do a three-part series. And last week was called The Power of Learning Your Heart Story. And today is The Power of Learning Another Person's Heart Story. And then part three is going to be what I call The Power of Learning The Biggest Story. That's the story of humanity, mankind, and our place in it today. And the focus of the series and my answer to a diversity and inclusion challenge, which is divisiveness and um, bordering on some hatred here and there, was to actually, instead of taking a big global approach or national approach, whether it's legislations and conferences and webinars and, and diversity and inclusion training, I decided it would be a good idea for us to also have, in addition to those things, an inside-out approach, and that was to focus on the human heart, because the heart is actually the place where it all begins. As humans, one thing we are all guaranteed, at some point, our hearts will be broken Life will have a betrayal somewhere along the line. It might be an event, it might be a circumstance, or it actually might be a person close to you. It certainly happens in relationships. In fact, many relationships that are long-standing have had many, many periods of breakdowns, breakups, and somehow they always manage to get to breakthroughs because they stay committed to the relationship. And in diversity and inclusion, I think the same thing is possible. And that is that my human heart can be connected to another human heart, and we can bypass all of the differences once we get to the heart level. I no longer am worried about or interested in your race, your gender, your identity, your category, or your politics and your religion and all the other things that make us so different. Because when I sit down with you, I know that your heart has been broken and so has mine. I also know that in the heart is where we make mistakes. The heart is also the place where our ego resides. You also know that pride and selfishness and self-centeredness are part of being human. And when those get activated, we actually can behave very poorly. So what I thought I'd do, and I did this on the episode last week, is I would just make this topic of the heart correlate to the diversity and inclusion. And so 
today I want to talk to you about how would you go about actually learning about another person's heart? And then how would you use that to begin to bridge all the divides that exist if we could actually just sit down and talk to each other and tell each other something about our life story? That's the essence of it. That's the approach. Let's talk about first and foremost. It's clear to me that you need three things in order to engage with another human, whether it's somebody you know or somebody you really don't know and certainly have big differences with. Is the first one is you have to have the desire. Now, I want you to think about this. In order to learn another person's heart story, you have to want to know it. You have to have enough caring capacity and curiosity and a belief that it's worth it to actually even engage someone to know their story. So the first part of learning another's heart story is having the desire to do so. Part one of the series, which I gave you last week, talked about you examining your own human heart and your own broken nature and all the things that have happened to you in your life, which have helped shape you emotionally and spiritually and mentally, the kinds of thoughts and beliefs you hold and whether or not you can challenge them. All of that is a prelude to this second part. So if you haven't done the homework that you need to do about being settled in your own heart and may still carry anger and resentments and shame and have inner challenges and inner chaos, you probably are going to find it hard to find the desire to get to know another human being until you've known yourself. But let's assume that's happened. Let's assume you've created the condition for it. And let's assume you've desired to be a person who seeks to know the heart story of other human beings. And that's part one. You have to want to do it. Part two, after desire, is what I'll call discomfort. And what do I mean by that? Well, essentially, if you're ever going to get to know another person's heart, you're going to have to be prepared to make the first move. And by that, I mean, you're going to have to share your own heart. You're going to have to take the work you did, if you do some of the exercises and questions from last week's episode, to know yourself. You're going to have to face your discomfort with sharing it. And that discomfort is usually a discomfort with some kind of vulnerability. Now, the word has been used and popularized for quite a while now, maybe going on 10 years. One of the great pioneers to break open the conversation is an author by the name of Brene Brown. She's fairly well known. And after she made her first TED Talk and got like 5 million views, her world exploded into this space. And she actually has a, a TED Talk where she talks about how many corporate inquiries were made for her to come in and talk. But every time they questioned her, or at least told her what they wanted to talk about, instead of saying, come talk about shame and vulnerability, they said, well, can you come in and talk about creativity and innovation and new thinking? And she would laugh and she said, no, we're going to talk about vulnerability because vulnerability is actually the birthplace of innovation and creativity. 
basically it means you have to be vulnerable to put out crazy and wild ideas and be subject to ridicule or sarcasm about it. And no matter how crazy it is, you got to take the risks. So she kind of brought us into this vulnerability piece. So when I say discomfort, what I mean is you have to be prepared to face the kind of fear you have about how people might think of you if you decide to be vulnerable. And vulnerable how? Well, by sharing your heart story. And that means the parts of it that are hard to share. These are the parts where you admit you are weak or parts that you have been hurt. Parts of you are confused and afraid to make mistakes or just afraid of how you'll be seen. And I want to tell you, my coaching practice is CEOs. And it gets worse the higher up the org chart you get. That's what gives birth to the imposter syndrome, which I've spoken about in a prior podcast. I also think it's probably part of Western culture. I do remember as a kid, big boys don't cry in my house. I could have fallen down the flight of steps and had a compound fracture of both arms. And my grandmother would grab me and dab my tears with the balled up Kleenex that was stuck under the left hand of her sweater. She dabbed them and sometimes licked them to wipe chocolate off my face and wipe me out and say, hey, don't let your father see you cry. Okay, thank you very much. So I've carried that for quite a while. It's a Western culture thing. Don't let them see you cry. And by the time you get into the C-suite and all the leaders I know, all fairly well conditioned, just don't show your emotion. Well, I got to tell you something. That is just crap, BS. I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I want people to be real and authentic. And that means you admit that you just don't have your act together and you don't have to put on an act. And people don't want it. People don't expect it. And oh, by the way, they will see right through it. So now, in the power of sharing another person's heart story, we have A, you got to have the desire to. That means you better do some work on your own stuff first. It means you have to have discomfort. You have to have the discomfort of being vulnerable and being willing to share your own story. And then you have to make a decision. Well, decision about what? Primarily, you have to decide with whom you're going to begin your experiment of learning another heart story. Desire, I want to know. Discomfort, I have to be facing my own vulnerability so that I can lead the discussion. And then finally, a decision. Who am I going to start with? And once you've got all of that put together, then I have some ideas and some tools for you. I'll summarize again the point, the moral of the story or the purpose behind this sharing. When you know your own heart and are prepared to share it, then you go forward and you find another human being or a small group of human beings and you get to share your heart and they get to share their heart. I guarantee you, if it's done with sincerity, caring, and a risk to trust vulnerability, there is an enormous amount of connection building and healing that occurs. What you'll find is that no matter how different we are, no matter what our divisions are, 
when you sit down and you share your stories together and you inquire of another person's story, magic occurs. Hearts are open. Hearts make connection. Our vulnerabilities are shared. And we suddenly realize, regardless of the differences, whether it's political or ethnic or racial or gender, whatever category you want to be different in, we all cry. We all ache. We all have our challenges. I told you last week that I would make reference to a poem called The Invitation. I will make sure I get you a link to it on the website. And that invitation was written by a mystic healer, thinker, philosopher that who goes by the name of Oriah. She's a woman who lives in Canada. And her invitation is an entire set of paragraphs about wanting to know someone and wanting to connect with someone. It's an invitation. So think about it. You know, if you have the desire, basically, it's a desire that's two ways. I'd like to get to know you and I'd like to give you an invitation for you to know me. And then we go ahead and get into that ookie gookie discomfort of what it would be like to share you know, fully, including our vulnerabilities. And then finally, I'm selecting one person or maybe a small group of people to do this with. And here's the kind of things that she gives us a really rich kind of meaning. Here's what she would say to anyone who wants to be in a connection. This is her invitation of how she'd like to know the heart story of another person. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing, how about this one? It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will look, risk looking like a fool for love, for your dreams, for the adventure of being alive. Here's another one that I love. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. Now, remember, I... I'm frequently talking in my messaging, in my podcast to leaders. And most of them, I think, are probably in the C-suite. And C-suite leaders are fundamentally oriented to fix and solve anything. Everything that comes across their path is nothing more than a nail sticking up, which must be hammered flat in the most productive, efficient, cost-effective way. Wham, 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 next issue. That kind of attitude and that kind of energy, when taken towards a person who is opening up their heart, wrestling with life's pain and life's challenges by trying to hide it, fade it, or fix it. It's just the wrong thing to do. In fact, this is a great time to talk about the art of not helping. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. Well, to the person who's a problem-solving machine, they're sitting there going, well, why the heck are you going to tell me all this? What am I supposed to do except fix it? Well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You are going to help by not fixing it and by not being helpful. How the heck does that work? Well, it means you're going to listen in a way you just don't commonly do. You're going to listen with your head and your heart 
And as you're listening, you are going to dial in to your reactions to the other person's story. As they tell you how they felt when they were betrayed, you are going to feel your own memories of your own betrayals. And you're going to let those emotions come up and be felt and encountered again. And as you do that and you listen for more and you remain curious about yourself, you will find Empathy energy is already flowing in the direction of the other person. Your ability to begin to sense and feel what they do because of your own shared experience will suddenly begin to flow into them. They will feel it. And when they do, they will feel that you are hearing them. And nothing is more soothing to a person in pain than to be able to just express it, say it, cry about it, and have nothing more than an engaged, empathetic, caring person on the opposite end who says nothing until there's a quiet space and the only thing they say is, I've had something similar happen to me. I know how it feels to me and I think I might have a sense of how you're feeling. You get the idea? This is the art of listening to another person's story. It's the first thing to do once you engage after you've decided who it's going to be with, commit yourself to not trying to help them. When somebody comes to you, they want to be heard, they want to be listened to, and they want to feel an energy of empathy and caring. So here's another thing that she says in one of the phrases or stanzas in her poem. This is an invitation. I would give it to you if you were sitting with me, right? I'd say to you, it doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. Here's what I want to know about you. I want to know if you're the kind of person who can disappoint another one in order to be true to yourself. I'll say that again. I want to know, are you the kind of individual who will actually take maybe the wrath, the anger, or whatever other negative emotions you're going to get, because you are going to disappoint another person in order for you to be true to yourself. I want to know if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul. That has meaning today because in the echo chamber of the most angry people, the most vocal people who have a giant amplification and the negativity is amplified, small group has more noise based on social media and other news outlets. If you don't believe what I believe, and if you don't think the way I think, there's something wrong with you. And then the name calling begins. For a person to undergo the pressures of that, the societal pressures and the cultural pressures, the pressures to comply and if you don't, I'm going to exclude you. I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to cancel you or your tweets or what your posts on Facebook. I want to know if you're the kind of person who will not buckle. 
who will agree to disagree, stay in a relationship and a conversation, but not lie about your own beliefs. That's, again, the kind of power of knowing another person's heart. And here's one more, and then I'll give you some more practical approaches. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand on the edge of a lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes! It's hard when we fail and make mistakes to not feel some kind of shame, to not struggle with the emotion of, I should have done better, what will people think of me? I think you and I, we want to be able to make a mistake, live with a failure, fall down, be embarrassed, and then still get up and just raise both hands and look up to the sky and shout, yes, I am okay. I am alive. I do make mistakes. But that doesn't mean I'm going to live in shame. It doesn't mean I'm going to be stopped dead in my tracks. It doesn't mean I'm going to spend more than 30 seconds in my pity party and I'm going to get up. I'm going to go, yes, I'm moving forward. So those are the kinds of things that Araya mentions in this beautiful poem, The Invitation. And I'll leave you with this last one. This is a great one. Can you imagine sitting with someone else? and looking them in the eye and said, so I want to know a little bit about you. I don't care where you live, and I don't care how much money you have. Here's what I want to know. Are you the kind of person who can get up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done for the children? I want to know if you can get up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done for the children, whether you have children of your own or whether you don't have children yet, but you have friends and family who have children, they are the most precious gift we have on the planet. And sometimes our lives are exhausting. We are brutally battered by the storms of life. Can you still get up and take care of the innocent ones who cannot care for themselves? I want to know that about you. And that's what she's mentioning here in the invitation. Hopefully that gets your juices flowing. I'm going to leave you now with this more practical approach to talking to another person so that you can know their heart. Remember again, first you need the desire. You have to have the desire. I genuinely have it. I'm probably, a, it's a function of being older and further along the path of life. I have been battered by my own life storms. My first wife passed away from cancer when she was 48. I'm practicing 13 years of sobriety, so I went down that road. I've almost run out of money at least three times when I started the business. So I got my share. They're no better or worse than anybody else's. They're just my version. But I've actually recovered from those. But in the end, I guess what I want you to know is, is that these are the parts of my story that make me up, and these are the parts of the story I tell. So I have now the desire to let that story be known. I don't have any shame around it, and I don't feel weakened by it, and I'm happy to tell you about it. I also have overcome the discomfort with it. If you think poorly of me because I'm this broken guy, well, that's on you. 
that's fine. That's okay. I made a shot. And I am making decisions to encounter people I don't necessarily agree with philosophically or spiritually or politically, and I still want to know their story. Now, when I find that condition, here is a worksheet that I'm going to put up on the website for you. I call it sharing your story, discovering disclosure, openness, and vulnerability. Here's the instructions. This is how it works. After you've desire to meet and connect with others, be okay with your discomfort. Decide who you're going to do this with. And here's your guide. This is for two or more people to share life, heart stories together. And by sharing at that deeper level, you open your hearts to each other. And that is the place to develop genuine care and trust in spite of the differences. You'll start by practicing this with some friends. One friend, if you're just beginning, or maybe two or three friends. Maybe it's some family members. I'll tell you something about family members. Family members themselves don't know each other very well. It's kind of sad, but families just don't, they lose touch with each other as they turn into adults and go their separate ways. They don't even know anything about each other. So you could start with the next time you're together with a, a couple of siblings, go off into a private spot and grab this handout and sit down and give it a whirl. But as you start with family and friends, then you move to some work associates. And then you might advance to people you don't know very well. And because you have desire now and you're okay with the discomfort of sharing yourself, you might decide, I'd like to get to know this person or that person. Maybe it's a person on your work team that you don't know. I'm going to tell all leaders this right now. Let me just let me get this down. Whether you're a supervisor of a half a dozen people back in the shipping department and then throwing stuff on pallets, or whether you're the CEO of a Fortune 100 company, the same rules apply. It doesn't matter. Do you care about the people who work for you? Do you have a desire to know them? And are you going to prioritize your calendar and your time to set aside time to have a cup of coffee or have a sandwich or meet for a half an hour to 45 minutes just to say, we do me a favor. Tell me about the pictures on your desk. Tell me about your grandkids. Tell me about your kids. Tell me about your dog. Tell me about your cat. But I care. I want to know your story. Then you're going to go and try this with people with whom you don't feel so comfortable or maybe are different. And what you're going to do is use this guideline I'm giving you to focus on each other's life stories, heart stories, not about your differences in your values and beliefs or identities. I always recommend you try to find a private place to do it. No noise or distractions. You can do it over lunch, but sometimes restaurants are noisy and not conducive to that. So maybe find a park bench. Turn off your mobile device, put 60 minutes on the clock. You could do 90 if you really wanted to give it a whirl. And then you sit down, here's my sheet, and start with a confidentiality reminder. You commit to each other that this is a private moment where we're going to share our stories. And we're going to commit to each other to be in full confidentiality. The next commitment we make to each other is we're all going to stretch 15% into our discomfort with some kind of disclosure and vulnerability. So here are the questions, and I'll read them quickly. The first thing you do is you describe your family life growing up. Where were you born and what was your household like? Talk about your parents, your siblings, your birth order, your culture, 
the socioeconomics and other environmental factors and share what stands out in your memory. Then you would share something of one of your happiest memories. Hopefully you've had some. There are people I've spoken to that don't have many happy memories, but we start there. And then we move to share one of the greater challenges or greater challenging times you had from your childhood. And from there, you just jump to today and say, so let's talk about family and personal life right now today. Tell me about your key relationships. Do you have any key relationships? Maybe it's marriage, maybe it's partnership. Do you have children or nieces and nephews and pets and hobbies and what makes you happy, right? And then this is the key one. Here we are today and I'm asking you, so what is a life challenge or something challenging you're facing right now? or something you faced recently, maybe in the last few years, what was it and how are you feeling about it now? And then this is the kind of go for the depth of the heart question. Listen to this one. Just tell each other something intimate about yourself that would help you connect at the heart. This is a great moment to stretch into your discomfort with disclosure, openness, and vulnerability. It's going to require you to take a risk. If you took this guide and you had desire and could face discomfort and made a decision about who to talk to, I guarantee you if you try it, it'll work. If it does not work, if for some reason it falls apart and it breaks down, if it does, what's the worst that happens? You weren't connected in the first place. You're not connected now. But at least you have the satisfaction of saying, gave it a shot. So there we are. I will finish this episode right now. This was about you and the power of learning another person's heart story. Some practical advice. I'll put this questionnaire up on the website. Take it. Run with it. Start in a safe way with a safe place and a safe person. Even someone you know well or think you know well might reveal more than you could have imagined. And at the minimum, you'll know each other a lot better. So that's the end of this podcast. The next podcast is going to be called The Power of Learning and Sharing the Biggest Story. I'll be doing some homework to get that ready. In the meantime, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sharing your heart during this conversation. You have my heart right now. So with that, I'll sign off. I certainly would like you to subscribe to the podcast. We do a mailing when the podcasts are coming out with an announcement. We have a MailChimp account. I'd love to build that list. I'd certainly appreciate it if you shared the podcast. I have a hope that if we changed one heart at a time and you were able to change two and those people went and changed two, there'd be a geometric increase in the number of people on the planet who begin to just talk at the heart level. And that might actually lower the temperature and start healing some of the division we have. So here's the good healing and great storytelling and love you all. Thanks. And this is Kevin McHugh for Sheer Clarity signing off. You can find me at sheerclarity.com. Bye-bye.